I don't know. It, yeah, it gave me a lot of time to think about, uh, you know, that stint of in between the trail when I was really sad and like drinking very heavily and just, you know, being kind of just, I felt at the time, you know, just like a really like shitty person. Um, so yeah, being, I think if I was constantly around people, the trail still would have changed me and, you know, in a positive light, but I'm glad I had that time by myself because I think I really needed that to, to really look inside and see like what needs to change here. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced through hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a through hike. Today's guest is Twerk, known off trail as Tommy Corey. Having left the PCT in 2017, he came back in 2018 to finish what he started. Around Wrightwood, he began posting this little thing called Hiker Trash Vogue. In this episode, we talk about how the photographs helped him finish the trail, mountain lions in camp, and how completing the trail has changed him. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, through spelled T-H-R-U, of course, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Twerk. Hey, Tommy. It's not too loud. Uh, no, it's not. It's a little echoey, but that may just be your room. Um, let me see if I can fix I'm using a professional microphone, <laughs> and I'm not really sure how to use it. Are you going to get into the podcast business yourself? Uh, I was thinking about it, yeah. You totally should do a stream of consciousness podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I was just doing a little remind, reminiscing, I guess, of following you on the, the trail last year and uh-huh. uh, your little Instagram posts on trail vocabulary and grinding my gears and all of those. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, I had a lot of free time on my hands. <laughs> Those were so freaking entertaining. It was hysterical. And it would, and it was sort of listening to them were sort of like, okay, how far is he going to go this time? I usually do things pretty far. <laughs> I know. That was what was one of the things that was so great about it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I guess, to kind of catch up with you a little bit. You know, kind of the last posting that you had done was you were coming back to Portland and and kind of doing that. How has the photography thing been for you? You know, you've got your book done and and all of that now. Uh, it's I mean, it, it's been great. Yeah, uh, I've been living in Boise, Idaho for the last seven months, and that got boring really quick. Um, <laughs> I, I like Idaho's great. I love Idaho. Boise is just, I think, a little smaller than I I was hoping for, and I just feel like right now there's more opportunity in Portland. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I lived there for about five years before before here, 
obviously minus, you know, the six months I was on the trail. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just went, I rolled through there about a month ago and realized I really missed it. So just made the quick decision that I was going to move back. And so I get to go move back in with my old roommates and go to my, you know, old house in Northeast. And I'm really excited to, you know, kind of start over there. I, I totally feel you. I'm literally in Portland right now and doing a, a little, uh, production, working on a production up here and, Coming into the production office that first day, it was like, I'm coming home. This is beautiful. Yeah. Are you from there? I'm not. I'm originally from Washington, but I worked up here for three years doing a TV series. Oh, so okay. it feels like a second home. Yeah. That's awesome. And I love Portland just in general. <laughs> me too. Oh my God. It's, it's, you know, it's funny that it, it took me, you know, moving away to a different state to realize how much I loved it. So I'm really, I'm really, really happy to be going back. Yeah. Well, you also did the van life for a little while. I wouldn't even give myself credit for that. It only lasted a month. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, after, I don't, sorry, after living in the woods for six months, I was like, I want a, I want a toilet and I want a kitchen. I don't, <laughs> I don't have time for this shit anymore. <laughs> I'm assuming that was something that you decided after you got the van and started the month. What pushed you to do the van thing in the first place, though? Um, well, I, you know, I, after I finished the trail, I went home to my parents' house for three weeks, which is in Redding, California, kind of near Mount Shasta, which is on the trail. So I went home just to kind of like, you know, wind down for a couple of weeks. And then I went home to Portland and, um, I, I don't know, I I was only there for a month, but I was kind of terrified that moving back, everything would just be the same. Um, you know, I was worried about, I, so before. To kind of give you a little bit of a backstory, uh, before the trail last year, 2018, mm-hmm. I um, had di- done an attempt in 2017 where I did about 900 miles. And in between that attempt and then my uh, through hike last year, I, you know, I was just bartending and doing the same old thing I've always done. I was really depressed that I had like failed at, you know, hiking the trail. And um, in that time, I realized how much I wanted to go back and actually do a through hike. So it was kind of a really, uh, uh, it was just a really like bad time in my life before I started the trail last year. And I was so worried coming back after, you know, finishing in 2018, I was really worried that coming back to Portland that I would, you know, go back to a bartending job when I told myself I wouldn't, um, or everything would just, you know, be kind of at a standstill again. And I didn't want that. So I, uh, I bought the van and was like, I'll just live out of this for a little bit and travel and, um, since work's going good and I can kind of afford to do so. And then, yeah, and then about a month went by and I was like, okay, I need to move somewhere. So I'll just go to Boise since I've been there and it's clean and it's small. So, yeah. <laughs> I would assume, I, I kind of know, I guess, that you kind of kept in touch with your the people that you were hiking around from 2018. How were How was their reintegration into into the real life? Was was it as scary as it was for you, kind of? I think, you know, it. everyone, for I think for every person that hikes, even if you don't finish a trail, it's scary to go back to, you know, your life. There's so much unknown outside of the trail. And I think that goes for anyone, even if you're going back to like your old job or whatever. Um, I think it's, I think it could be terrifying for anyone um, yeah, and I keep, I keep in contact with the people I hiked with, uh, you know, almost every day. And 
we, you know, usually, you know, make jokes, you know, be like, oh, this shit wouldn't happen on trail. Or, <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I think as, as a, as a long distance hiker, you find ways to adapt to, you know, hiking 25 miles a day. And I think if you can do that, you can definitely learn to adapt to a life you've, you know, you know, better than through hiking. So I, I feel like I've, I've adjusted well to being back in society. Actually, I love where my life is right now. Works really good. And um, yeah, I'm yeah, pretty, pretty happy with how things are going. What, what is work for you now? Um, well, you know, I had the book and uh, yeah. doing some uh, just like freelance work and um, doing a lot of wedding photography. So I'm solely just working for myself right now, just doing photography which has been my dream since I was a kid. Um, I picked up a camera when I was 12 and I've, I've always, so I've always taken photos, you know, since mm-hmm. I can remember since I picked up a camera and, uh, you know, as I got older and like, I, that's all I wanted to do was photography, but obviously, you know, it wasn't, um, I don't know. I think it takes a long time to find your niche. And, you know, I thought I was going to be a, you know, a big wig fashion photographer. And then I, uh, did a little stint of college um, of art school and I worked closely with a lot of fashion kids and decided those weren't my people. And I don't think that I it would ever, for me, I don't think I would be happy being around, uh, you know, a, you know, a lot of superficial people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, started doing weddings kind of just by happenstance. And then um, did, I had a couple other like, projects um that I did in my 20s that were uh pretty successful as well and but then I kind of I don't know I lost sight for a little bit and now I'm here did that answer your question sorry I tend to gamble and then I lose what I'm saying <laughs> that that answered the question yes absolutely okay, <laughs> I guess speaking of the book and and speaking of the pictures more, even more specifically I would be surprised if somebody listening to this podcast hasn't heard of Hiker Trash Vogue at this point, um, because it's it's like the catchphrase now. Uh, so uh, so how are you enjoying the limelight a little bit? The the hiker the through hiking limelight. Uh, I, it's it's I, it, I mean for me it's great. I um, because photography is my life so when people meet me or see me or, you know, write me on Instagram, even people are always referencing my work, um, which is like I said, my life, there's nothing, I've nothing else I've ever wanted to do. So it's, uh, I, I love it in that sense that, um, you know, when people are like, Hey, are you twerk? I really love your work. That's awesome. You know, like that makes me feel super great. Uh, so yeah, no, it's, it's been good and it gives me the opportunity to work for myself for right now. Um, I hope that continues to be sustainable, obviously, but yeah, no, I'm enjoying it. I love that people are, you know, taking funny photos and tagging me in it and, uh, uh, you know, doing, using the hashtag and, uh, it's, it's cool. I think, you know, like what a project that started as a joke kind of turn into this uh, way to, I guess, just make people feel good and make people feel beautiful. So it's cool that people are like keeping it going. Yeah, it's it's a little bit like it celebrates 
hikers, through hikers, the life of hikers in a way that, in a way that everybody can get involved with. Like, even if you're not necessarily on the trail with them and you're not taking the specific pictures, they can be a part of it across the country, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what I'd wanted when, you know, when I got off the trails, like I have to keep this going somehow. I like, I want people to you know keep doing silly things and I don't know, it's kind of, it's kind of a nice way to like break up a long trail, you know, break up the day, make it be like, Hey, we'll stop and take a funny photo. That was fun. You know, uh, that's how I got through my hike honestly was the, the, the project. I, I don't know if I would have finished if I didn't have that because it kept you focused on on a goal on a, something very specific and concrete yeah yeah exactly um it's like you know i i had this project and i was really loving my work what i you know i was really loving what i was doing after having like you know years of just feeling like feeling of like whatever like what the fuck am i going to do with my photography career like i always yeah. thought I'm just going to have to shoot weddings for the rest of my life and like bartend on the side. Cause I'll never, you know, do anything worthwhile. Um, so when, you know, I started hiker trash Vogue and people started paying attention to my work and seeing it and, you know, started reaching out to me to like feature my work and stuff. I was like, Oh, whoa, this is actually like kind of cool. People are, I felt like for the first time in like 20 years of taking photos, like people were like seeing who I am through my lens. Uh, they're through, but through my photographs. No, definitely. And following the pictures throughout the the trail throughout the six months, could you could you see the changes in the people around you, particularly the ones that you were photographing a lot as the trail advances, as you guys advanced up the trail? Uh, you mean like in uh, because of the project, or just in general? Well, I guess both, both because of the project um, and because of seeing themselves portrayed in a picture that was beautiful and empowering and, and all of those kind of things, but also just the evolution of completing something, i.e. the trail, which is very badass. Yeah, uh, I I wouldn't say, you know, related to the project, I wouldn't say like, you know, I think the trail changes you so much that like the project was just like the small thing for most people. Mm -hmm. Um, The people I hiked with the most, I could tell would get more impatient when I'd stop them on trail. (laughs) So maybe in that context, but um, yeah, uh, I mean, everyone changes as you go through the sections of the trail and you get closer and closer to, um, to Canada or, or Mexico as well. But I did have a couple instances where, um, like one, for example, um, if there a girl named Stephanie, uh, her trail name's Weezer, one of my friends, we didn't even hike that many miles together. We, we were through in, uh, Southern Oregon together for a little bit. And she one day approached me and asked me to, you know, photograph her nude. And she, and it was funny cause she felt really bad asking me cause she didn't want to, you know, just, I guess force me to you know be creative or whatnot Mm -hmm. and I was like oh yeah of course I'll do that like I would love to and so I took this really beautiful photo of her laying naked in front of this really cool tree um in front of Crater Lake it's one of my favorite photos from the entire trail and just you know later to come or come to find out later that she she did that because she just she needed that for herself she you know she's found so much uh 
self-love and beauty from the trail. And that's why she wanted me to do it. And mm-hmm. so that was, that was pretty cool. I, you know, like, I think there's, there's, uh, there's no better compliment than hearing someone that I photographed, like, tell me that I made them feel beautiful. Like, I think that's, uh, that's really rewarding. You did an amazing job of it, actually. Is that, is that kind of where the, the nude photos took off where you started doing more of them? Um, I think I had done, I'd done a couple in Northern California as well. And I, and I mean, I, I've done plenty of nudes throughout my like photography career. So it, I mean, to me that wasn't foreign or weird. Like it really didn't bother me. So yes, I, I wish I would have done more, honestly. I wish I would have, um, but I, it, it, you know, I hiked with so many different people that I was in meeting so many different people. I'm not just going to be like, Hey, you should get naked. You know, <laughs> <laughs> like I kind of like, want like rather like feel people out first and so (laughs) (laughs) so listening to another podcast that you had done you said that you kind of split the photos into five sections I think it was so desert Sierras northern California Oregon and Washington yeah Mm -hmm. when you look at back at those pictures for each of those sections what stands out to you about those pictures or about those people or like, what are your sharpest images or rem- memories, I guess, of those things? Yeah. I think I, what I said in, uh, I think maybe the last podcast I was on was that, um, I think someone had, someone had asked me my favorite photograph and which is really hard for me. You know, when I have hundreds of photographs, it's kind of hard for me to like pinpoint. I mean, I could probably narrow it down to like a top 10 maybe, but, mm. um, when I look at my work, I look at it in the sections and especially for me, Washington was, is my favorite section or like, I guess, body of work from Hiker Trash Vogue because, um, I was, you know, I really didn't think I was going to make it that far. And at that point, my body was shutting down. It was like, okay, you know, like we're done walking, but you know, in my mind, I didn't want to be done. And I just knew Canada was getting closer and closer and I was getting really sad but I was also like so happy and I was just trying to soak up every single like second and, you know, and step of the end of the trail. So my mind was uh, kind of in this like, uh, I don't know, this weird dichotomy, you know, where I was like, I need to be done because my body's not going to make it, but I don't want to be done. Um, so I, I think with all those emotions going through myself, like going through my body and my brain that I, I, my work from Washington is kind of, kind of dark and brooding, but also very like vibrant and beautiful. And I think it's a real testament to like how I was feeling at the time. Yeah. I remember, I remember listening to a couple of your Insta stories where you were sort of laying out your struggles uh, kind of during that section of the hike. Um, it was very raw. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty blunt. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is the best part of you actually. Um, there's, there's no BS about it. I love it. Now, why was your body shutting down? What was happening oh. there? Oh, I had walked over 2000 miles. <laughs> <laughs> was My- it just purely that or, my ankles were about to snap in half. Like I just thought I was having to stop every, you know, two or three miles to like massage my feet. And, um, I, everything just mostly my ankles 
and you know, I never have knee problems as well, but my knees were even starting to get sore, like not even just sore, just ache. And mm-hmm. I just thought like, I was like any day now I'm going to take a step and something's going to snap and I'm going to be done. That's just how I felt. It was, yeah. And it, and at that point I'd already taken like 35, some 35 zeros maybe. So it's like, and it was like, you know, September. So it's not like I could take any days off. I was like, I have to get there. Right. Cause you were running into weather towards the end there, right? Yeah, we were, we actually like had a, like maybe like 10 days of like beautiful weather, like through goat rocks and Alpine lakes and all that. It was like going around Rainier was like sunny and gorgeous, but we, you know, we got a little bit of rain and then three days before we hit the border, maybe about 15 miles outside of a Hearts pass. We had, we were in a blizzard oh, and, and oh my God, it was so cold. I, I, I think it was probably about 15 degrees and I just remember laying in my tent being like, well, I know I'm warm enough to where I'm not going to die. But at this point I wish I just would. Cause then I wouldn't have to walk in the snow tomorrow. Were you, at that point, were you hiking with other people or cause you did a lot of solo hiking too, right? Yeah. Washington. I was with people okay. like I was with my friend blue and Rumi the whole time. And we finished together, uh, which was exactly what I wanted. Cause I had spent a lot of time in the Sierra alone and, a lot of time in Oregon by myself. And um, I, uh, I don't know, I just, I just knew that I wanted to be with people for the last section. Um, I was, I was tired of, you know, I mean, by time in Oregon, when I was alone, it was great. I had an amazing, I had an amazing time in Northern Oregon hiking by myself, but I felt like uh, if, when I look back in, in, you know, in 20 years at the trail, like I'd want to know that I was with people in the last section. So I'm really happy I was. So you started the trail solo, correct? Uh, yes. Okay. Both, both times? Uh, no, the first, well, the first year I started with my former roommate and, uh, my friend Kathleen, who are both from Portland. And did they continue on after you dropped off or? Kathleen went a few more hundred miles after me and then Andrew completed. After, okay. Um, yeah. He did the AT back in 2013, I believe. And he was the one that invited me. Now in, in 2017 it was a fair it was a heavy snow year as well and you guys jumped around that correct Yeah I went from Kennedy Meadows to Old Station Okay in northern California and just continued north and then and then I was like okay I'm done with this <laughs> Was was that literally sort of you woke up one day or you woke up for a week being like I'm done with this uh, I think it's kind of for me skipping like knowing like, okay, I'm going to have to like come back and do this or like put to like separate the trail um, like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm that kind of uh, hiker. I think like now if, when I go back and do the PCT again, if it's a high snow year, I would just like make sure I have a group and go through the Sierra just cause I, I don't like splitting it up. I like the full, I like the full northbound hike. It lost its momentum, so to speak. Yeah, it just felt it felt really lackluster. Um, it was a whole new set of people, and then you know, running people going southbound, and like I don't know, it just didn't feel. It felt foreign, and I. Mm-hmm. It was weird to skip that many miles and then be like, oh, I didn't like see the progression of the trail. It's like okay, all of a sudden you're like desert, and now you're in NorCal, which feels like the desert because it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't get you don't get those breaks of like, oh, it's like nice and cool in the Sierra, and there's lots of lakes and rivers and stuff. 
It's like, oh no, you're a NorCal again, and it's hot, and there's rattlesnakes as well. <laughs> Did you have any rattlesnake encounters? Uh, I mean, nothing crazy. I mean, I saw I saw plenty of rattlesnakes, but nothing that was like too scary. I don't know. They don't really bother me. I like snakes a lot. What about bigger animals? Bears and yeah, I saw four bears on the trail last year. The first one I saw was in Lassen, and I had come around the corner from this big tree, and like there, it was like twenty feet from me, and that was that was really scary. <laughs> Uh, and so I like went behind the tree and like waited for all the hikers behind me. And then we kind of just like walked past it. It didn't give a shit. It was just like, whatever, I'm just going to forage for berries. Uh, so yeah, that, um, and then I saw a couple other bears that were just like off in the distance doing whatever. And then I did have a mountain lion in my camp, uh, probably about 20, it was 22 miles before we had gotten into Syed Valley, which is the last town in California. Mm-hmm. And uh there was uh it was probably like midnight and there had been deer in our camp all night i hate deer i don't know if you've seen my segments on i have yes i hate deer more <laughs> than anything in the world they're the dumbest animals they're just big rats and there was probably like you know like five or six of them in our camp one night and they're just like being so loud like i swear they're having a goddamn conga line outside of my tent <laughs> There's like knocking shit over and being obnoxious. And all of a sudden they just disperse. They just go running in all different directions. And I'm laying in my tent. I'm like, oh God, this cannot be good. This cannot be good. And all of a sudden, have you ever heard of mountain lion? No. Oh my. Okay. Well, after this, look it up. It's terrifying. It sounds like a woman being murdered. Oh God. Screaming. And so that's what it starts doing. And this, this is probably like 25, 30 feet away. This is in our camp. And it's next to, so I'm in camp with this girl named Pika, and we're the only people in camp, and it's next to her tent, and it's screaming. So you can hear it echoing through the valley, and I'm just like, I'm in my tent, I'm like, please don't attack her, because if it attacks her, then I'm like, like I have to get out and like attempt to help. So I'm just like, I'm preparing to die. I'm just preparing to be like, well, I'm going to have to like try to kill this mountain lion, and I know I'm just going to die, because if I stay in my tent, like I'm going to be the asshole that didn't help this girl. <laughs> So it's like making that noise for probably like two or three minutes and then it just stops. And I'm like hearing it walk through the camp slowly. I'm like, please don't come over here. Please don't come over here. And it kind of goes in between our tents and then just takes off down the, down the mountain, like down the hill. So I'm just laying there and I'm like, I'm like, Pika, Hey, Pika. And she's not answering me. <laughs> and I'm like, what the? I'm like, what the hell? So I'm like, Pika. And then she's not answering me. I'm like, okay, maybe she's just like so scared that she can't talk. So I'm just like, I'll just let it be. And then, you know, maybe like 30, 45 minutes later, all the deer come back. And I didn't sleep a wink that night. We woke up at 4 a.m. to make our way into town because we had to get packages. And it was a Saturday and their uh, post office closes at 1. So we got up at 4 a.m. And like, I'm looking at her as we're making our coffee and it's still dark out. And she's like not saying anything. I'm like, what the Did hell? So I'm like, okay, maybe this? she's, huh? Did she sleep through this? So once we start walking together and once the sun starts coming up, you know, a couple hours later, I'm like, okay, what the hell, man? Like what's going on? And like, there's that mountain lion was right next to your tent. She's like, what mountain lion? I was like, what? I was like, there was a mountain lion screaming right next to your tent. She's like, oh, I have my earplugs in. I was like, how did you sleep through that even with earplugs? She had no idea. She didn't hear it. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, cool. Oh, damn. It's like, good, I should have let it eat your stupid ass, son. (laughs) (laughs) 
know. <laughs> See if I save you next time. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So that was pretty scary. That was the only like really bad encounter I had. Is it scarier to be in your tent and not be able to see like what's going? It's almost like a horror movie. Yeah, I, I think I'd rather not see it. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, I think so. That way, if it just decides to attack, I just don't know when it's coming. <laughs> there you go. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, and then you and then you won't notice it anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Has your photography's kind of spread outside of the hiking outside magazine world at all? Uh, like currently? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I had um, Innovation in Tech today, which is a fairly big magazine, feature my work recently. So that was kind of cool. Um, but it's, it's been mostly kind of outdoorsy, um, you know, publications and mm-hmm. companies that have featured it. I, it would be so interesting to kind of see the, the perspective from outside people, you know, particularly since they can't smell what all these people are smelling like, but they just get the pretty image. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess skipping back to kind of what we were talking about before with you hiking solo, was that a a specific choice at the beginning or you just you didn't have anybody to hike with um, when you started down in Campo again? Um, you know, I, I'd mentioned I was going back and I had a couple of friends that were saying like, oh, I'd, like I'd go and I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to wait for you. Like, <laughs> or I don't know. I just, I, for me, yeah, the... It, it was a very solo journey. I think I needed to, um, I needed that solitude for, you know, for many aspects of my life at that point. Um, it was a, I mean, for me, the PCT was like a very, it was a creative journey. Um, and as well as like an emotional one, like I, I you know, I, like I said, I was really depressed before I had, um, I had started hiking and I just needed to, I think I needed that time to, you know, and I hiked through the desert most of the time with people, you know, part of the Sierras, but um, I'm glad I got, you know, a few hundred miles in there where I was by myself. Cause I think I really needed that to test myself to see if I actually wanted to be out there and if I could do it. And for you, what was the, what is your takeaway from all, from that, from doing that? Oh, from hiking alone? Yeah, from hiking alone and having so much time to be in your head and and that kind of thing. I think it I think all the introspection was good for me. Um I think I lived a lot of my 20s um kind of uh as a, you know, self-deprecating person. And I think being alone, especially hiking alone, doing something I really, really loved was really healing for me because it, a, um, it taught me that I can have fun by myself. It taught me to take better care of myself as well. And I don't know, it, it, yeah, it gave me a lot of time to think about uh, you know, that 
stint of in between the trail when I was really sad and like drinking very heavily and just, you know, being kind of just, I felt at the time, you know, just like a really like shitty person. Um, so yeah, being, I think if I was constantly around people, the trail still would have changed me and, you know, in a positive light, but I'm glad I had that time by myself because I think I really needed that to, to really look inside and see like what needs to change here after I go back into my real life. Like what kind of person do I want to be? What kind of person do I want to be to myself specifically? How easy was that to stay the course? Uh, You mean like on, on trail or after, after the trail? Because I guess the, the, the question point that I'm getting at is, you know, the trail changes you and it can change you fairly radically. Mm Mm-hmm. But then you have to go back to the real world and you have to do all the things that you talk to yourself about doing and, and stay true to the person that you became while hiking the trail. And then there's also the depression of finishing the trail. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Um, I think because this was my second time around leaving the trail and because I finished and I had wanted to so bad and because I had this big project that I had finished, I was really proud of myself and I was really happy. Um, and I think it was a lot maybe easier for me to be done because I, because immediately I started working on my book. So even six months after I finished, I had something trail related to work on, but I, you know, to go back to your normal life and, you know, keep evolving as a person is, is hard. But I think after you, for me, it's like, shit, if I can walk, almost 2,700 miles, especially in my real life, I'm a lazy piece of shit. Like I do not work <laughs> out. Like I know I'm, I'm serious. Like I just, I hate working out. I hate anything active unless it's backpacking. Like I'm so lazy. So for me to know I was capable of that, I was like, I can do anything now. Like, and I should, you know, if I, if I know I need to make a change, I'm just going to do it because I know myself better now and uh, I know what, what I need to do to, you know, keep things evolving. Right. Keep moving forward to your best self, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, having had the experience of coming off of leaving the trial, I should say Mm -hmm. the first time around, like, what would you say to people who have, who end up in that same experience or, you know, want to be through hikers who go out on the trail and then they're going to leave or then they end up leaving for, for some reason or another, what would you say to them or, or how, t- how would you say to stay on course in terms of not falling into a deep depression or, or that kind of thing? Uh, um, it's take risks. I mean, I, I think, I mean, doing the trail is a big risk. I mean, people, put their relationships on hold. They quit their jobs. Like, I mean, doing the trail is a huge risk for anyone doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care how much money you have, you're putting, you know, your life on hold to do this thing. And, and I feel like if you can do that, you know, for six months, you can like, you can risk doing other things if you feel like it's going to better yourself. So I don't know. I, and I say take chances on changing up your life. If you feel like you don't want you know, things to be at a standstill. I mean, obviously everyone's different and not everyone, you know, I think some people have a really hard time coming off the trail. (laughs) 
Uh, I think there's some people I met in Montreal that maybe like even went kind of crazy uh, after the fact because they don't know how to handle it. But yeah, I just, I just think in any sense you make life worth living and that's how what you do on the trail. Like how am I, like, how am I going to get through today? We'll stop and take pictures or I'll have a great conversation with my friends tonight at the, around a fire. You know, you find, you find ways to make it bearable. And like, you can do that on trail. You can do that in your real life. You know, there's so, there's so much beauty around you, regardless of if you're walking in the woods or if you're, you know, in the middle of a city, you just got to find ways to make it enjoyable. You've, you've got to remember to stay in the now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the trail's there. If you want to go back. Is that kind of, it didn't, it didn't sound like listening to you talking on some of these other podcasts that you had any interest at this moment in the other trails. No, yeah, still not really interested. I want to do the PCT again. <laughs> Would you do it Nobo or Sobo? Uh, I kind of want to go Sobo or n- Northbound again. One, I want to do like Northbound one more time and then do Southbound eventually just to like really memorize the trail. Cause I think that'd be really cool to go southbound and be like, Oh, I remember this spot. I remember that spot. Um, <laughs> this rock was here when I, yeah, no, totally. I, I think, I, I think I have a pretty, like I have a pretty good like visual memory. And I think going like doing it northbound one more time would be like a good reminder. And then going southbound, I could like look at everything and I don't know. I, I was envisioning in my head, you going southbound and, Essentially, as opposed to seeing a couple of southbounders and essentially traveling in your, or hiking in your your kind of the bubble around you, all of a sudden you're literally passing every northbound hiker that's still on the trail at some point. That would be that would be an interesting record of the trail itself. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure southbounders get really annoyed actually. <laughs> See, like especially going through Oregon is when they probably pass everyone. I'm sure they're probably like, oh god, like so many northbounders whereas we only see you know we probably maybe see like 10 southbounders a day Mm -hmm. do you is it literally 10 a day when once the two clouds start to meet or two bubbles start to meet i mean it's i mean there's probably more sometimes but it just depends on the day and where you are Mm -hmm. but i'd say probably like 10 to 15 a day wow that's actually more than i i guess in my head think of as actually going southbound yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's starting to to gain more popularity. You get to start later. You have to go. You have to go faster because um, you're kind of racing to get to the Sierras because you know that's always unpredictable. So uh, yeah. that's that's the only downfall. Is like you can't. It's not like northbound where you can start like, oh, I'll just do 15 miles a day until my body adjusts. It's like, no, bitch, you're doing 20s. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you got to get your ass to the Sierra and like make sure you don't hit snow. Well, and I heard you say that that on the first. The first time out, you were taking it kind of slowly and whatever. And the second time out, you were, you know, hitting 20s and stuff like that, which is seems like quite the feat considering how lazy you've just admitted that you are. Yeah, I, I mean, I oh, got it surprised me too. Um, I yeah, I was, you know, my first year I was doing like, you know, 15, 12, 16, sometimes 18. <laughs> I did maybe like three 20s the entire time two months I was on two and a half months or whatever I was on trail. And then last year I was like, Hey, I'll just do that 15 to uh Hauser Creek. You know, the first day I was like, I'll just do the 15. And I got there at like one o'clock or something like that. And I was like, shit, that's weird. Last year it took me to like five to get here. 
And then so I like hung out for like an hour. I was like, well, I feel like I can keep walking. So I just like made it five more miles to the to like Morena. And I was like, that's strange. So the next day I was like, did the same thing. I was like, oh, I'll do like 16 today. And I did the 16. I was like, okay, well, I don't want to be here, you know, six hours before I get my tent. So I ended up doing 21. And I was like, this is really weird. <laughs> but I just like off the bat, yeah, just felt really good and was able to just like do 20s, which was really nice. Had, had you done anything to prepare for it? No, like I, I was... I was working as a bartender probably five days a week, eight hours a day. So maybe that was, you know, being on my feet a lot. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I was not doing anything. I was just like bartending and then going home and like sleeping and then like drinking a lot. <laughs> That's what prepared you. It was the drinking a lot, the lift your cup thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I guess I needed to quit that. Though. <laughs> when you did the first time through, you were carrying an you said you, I think you said you, you had carried an Osprey and another one of your podcasts. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh-huh. What were you carrying the second time around? Uh, a Hyperlite. So did, did your pack weight go down? Yeah, mm-hmm. by two pounds. Well, I guess the, the pack itself went down by two pounds. But what about like the overall pack that you were carrying oh. and the overall? Uh, I think, you know, honestly, I, I think maybe a little bit lighter. I'm not. I am not like an ultralight person at all. I mean, I carry like almost five pounds of camera. So I can, I, I don't think I'll ever be able to say like, Oh, I'm ultralight. Even if I carry an ultralight bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if I, like if I wanted to, I guess I could, but I, I think I would have to like leave the camera, which I would never do. So. Right. That would be like cutting off your arm. Yeah. Or, or like, I mean, like I could get rid of my stove and like, just like, cold soak things but i don't want to do that i like hot food like i'd rather just carry the i mean i carried all that weight you know the entire trail last year like i could do it again so i just like having i like being comfortable or yeah as comfortable as being on the trail can be Uh, yeah 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 absolutely (laughs) what like what lenses camera lenses were you carrying um i only carried one uh it's a 30 millimeter sigma it's the f14 it's a really great portrait lens that's the only one I carried, but it's heavy. <laughs> it's a good lens. Yeah, it's great. So it sounds like even though you didn't necessarily plan on doing the Hiker Trash Vogue from the beginning, you, you I mean, you did bring a wide angle lens, but you brought a portrait lens. So you knew that like a lot of the pictures you were going to be taking were of people and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's all I've taken photos of since I was a kid. Oh. Um, I I don't, I've never really have gotten into landscape or like architecture. I I can do those things with people in them, but if there's not a person there, it's like boring to me. I don't know why. So yeah, I was, I mean, I was planning on photographing people anyway, but you know, just doing like candids and like cute, you know, whatever smiling pictures of people. And then, but I know this was more fun. It was just more of like, (laughs) it was kind of just an integration of, uh, you know, my aspirations as a kid of being a fashion photographer into like the things I value now. How did you get people to do the poses that you ended up with? You know, sometimes I'd be walking and I'd see a really cool scene and be like, Oh, I'm going to have, I'm going to wait for the next hiker and I'll have them do this. Or 
I just would see people that were wearing a certain color or looked interesting. And I'd say, Hey, you know, like I'm going to pose you. And then I would just kind of like wing it. So, um, none of my photos are like, were too heavily thought out. It was always kind of like in the moment, just cause I don't, I don't want, I never want to be like pushing myself to be creative. It should, should some, it should be something that just kind of happens naturally because it, then it's more authentic. And you were editing them on the trail as well, right? Yeah, everything. Uh, my, if you look through my entire book, everything was I edited right there in my tent at the end of the night. Now, what were you using for editing? Um, I primarily used Visco, and there's another app. It's I think it's a Japanese editing app. It's called Kala, and that's where I got like kind of my graininess to the for my photos. So you would end up kind of going through both of those those apps to process to fully process things. Yeah, it was, and it's okay. literally just be like two clicks. Like I'd use a filter from Visco, and then maybe a filter from the other one, or vice versa, or maybe just one. Um, just because I I don't want my photos to be I don't like my photos to be too heavily edited because I I don't know I just I want people to still look like themselves. Well, part I mean one of the things that's that's so distinctive with your photos is the colors, the the saturation of the colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would assume that some of that was from you, what you were shooting and how you were shooting it, but others of it was probably also the filters that you were using. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like there's certain filters. And I also like <clears throat> when I, I mean, I love color cause I look, I tend to look at, um, when I take photos, I look at things in like color palettes and certain, you know, certain colors pop more with others or how you're photographing it. So um, it starts from, you know, from my eye and then, yeah. And then I would add certain filters just to be like, okay, I want that yellow to pop more. I want this green to pop, or I want this to be more, you know, diffused. Um, so it just depends. It depends on the photo and what color I'm specifically looking at. Speaking of your eye, I am literally on Skype with you right now. And the picture that you're using is the one after I think the wasp hit you. Yeah. <laughs> I love that picture. It's my favorite. Did you only get stung by a wasp once or was four there multiple? Times. Four, four times. <laughs> yes. Four times. One of them was, cro- that, that picture was crossing bridge of the gods. It nailed you on the bridge of the gods, not even in the forest. Uh, it, it literally was 10 feet before we started crossing bridge of the gods, which is like every hiker's big Cheryl Strayed moment. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, it's just like this big, incredible moment. You're crossing over the Columbia River Gorge. It's your last section. You made it. Like, you only 500 miles left. I was so excited to be there. And then I got stung on my eye by a wasp. And so while everyone else was like, oh, my God, we're crossing. I'm like, mother. <laughs> like, they're screaming. I'm so pissed. And then the next morning, because, like, every time I've gotten stung, it's always the next day when it's whatever I got stung in is swollen. So I wake up and I'm, you know, cowboy camping with my friend and I look over, I'm like, Hey, is my eye look kind of weird? And he just goes, Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) And so I like get my phone out. It's still like kind of dark out, you know, it's like five, five 30. And so I like turn on the light on my phone. I'm like, Oh my God, what the hell? Yeah. It looks like half of your face is just completely somebody else. Yeah. No, I looked like Quasimodo. Yes. 
That's a good description of it. Yeah. <laughs> what did you do to the wasp population that they wanted to get you? I don't know. I got, I got stung two more times in Washington, and they had got stung at Shelter Cove in Oregon. Um, but granted, we had, like, sat next to we. I didn't know that wasps, like, nest in the ground. Oh, yeah. And we had sat next to a uh, wasp nest in the ground, and they, we, like, they all, a couple of us got stung. It went pretty crazy. It was, it was kind of scary. <laughs> that was your, that was your scariest animal encounter right there. Yeah. Wasps. Yeah, exactly. How much cowboy camping did you do on the trail? Um, I'd say a, a fair amount. Like, whenever I was with people. I think there was only one time I cowboy camped by myself and that was my last day in Oregon and it was a really beautiful night and there's this lake called Wadham Lake. I think it's maybe like, I don't know, 12, 15 miles before you get to the border um, of Washington and it, it was just a really pretty lake and I just thought, oh yeah, it'll just be easier if I cowboy camp tonight and it, was, it was, wasn't scary. It was really nice actually, but if I'm by myself, I usually sleep in my tent. But yeah, I, we'd cowboy camp a lot throughout like, you know, the warmer sections like desert, NorCal. There was a couple times in the Sierra that was really nice as well because you could see so many stars. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that I really want to enjoy is, I mean, I guess as unpolluted a sky as possible um, where you see all of the stars and the, the Milky Way, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, that's like, that's the best time to do it too. Did you do any really uh, night photography? No, no. I, I think I did a couple. <clears throat> I had taken like a couple of night portraits on trail, but I, I don't think anything. There's maybe a couple in the book, but yeah. I mean, like it's when you're hiking, like we're usually in bed by the time the sun's down. Hiker midnight? Yeah, hiker midnight. <laughs> now, what was your what was your tent out there? Uh, I carried a hyperlight as well. So they kitted you, they kind of kitted you out? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know which hyperlight tent it was? Uh, it was a prototype when they oh, okay. sent it to me. And I, so I can't remember the name, but it's a one, it's a one man. It's one of the newer ones. It's awesome. It's, I mean, I swear by that company. It's, they, I think they have the best products on the market right now, honestly. Is it one of the tents where that's with the trekking poles or? Yeah, it's, it's, it's trekking poles. Okay. Yeah. I am granted. I've, I've the only other tent I've used is like a Nemo, which those are nice as well. But I, I just like, I like the hyperlight design and this tent was really easy to set up. And at the end of the night, like I don't want to spend a lot of time setting up a tent, <laughs> especially right. since it's technical. So yeah, I like how easy it was to use and I had it. Um, you know, there's a couple like times it was really rainy or that blizzard. I was completely dry inside my tent. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a super good tent. I'll have to, I'll have to look out for it. Yeah. Yeah. What did you do? Speaking of that blizzard, actually, what did you do for sleeping bag? And, and, uh, I don't think you had an inflatable cause I can see on your pack that it was the, uh, the waffle. yeah, yeah, I, I use that the entire trail. And then I had, I carried a Nemo Nocturne 15 degree. How was that during the blizzard? I mean, it was great. I mean, it was 15 degrees out, maybe colder. Um, and I was wearing every piece of clothing I had. I was in 
my, I had a liner at the time as well. Um, but I was still so cold. Like, I mean, I, it was, I was warm enough to know where like, okay, I'm not going to die, but, um, it was so cold, but I mean, it's a great bag. I mean, if it's 25 degrees, I would have been perfect. <laughs> Damn that blizzard. Yeah. Um, but I also, so I hiked my friend blue who I hiked with is a nurse. And I remember saying, I, I like, it was so cold. We set up camp at like four and I didn't eat dinner and I didn't pee, which are like the two things you're supposed to do <laughs> in that situation. I was like, Oh, okay. So I could, probably could have had a warmer night if I had done those things. Is it just cause you didn't want to come out of your tent at that point? Yeah. It was like, it was, it was snowing and like hard. Like, so I was like, I don't like, it's too cold to like get out of my sleeping bag and cook or like get out of my tent and pee. I don't know. I, I sometimes see people, though I'm, though you're not supposed to, I do see people cooking in their tent. Yeah, I would, I'll cook in like the vestibule, but. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, th- that's only if it's like raining. How much rain did you guys, did you run into on the, on the trail? Very little. Maybe like, maybe like a week's worth, if that. First time it rained on me was in, or like in, right outside of sisters, Oregon. So after 2000 wow. it was the first time it rained on me. You didn't get any kind of weather like that in the Sierras or anything. Sierra was like blue sky the entire time. <laughs> yeah. So you're watching the Sierras this year and just figuring you dodged a bullet. I'm just watching like, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I think hikers going through the Sierras right now are like badasses. So I, I would like, I mean, I, if I do another hike, I would go through or I'd at least attempt it, but I don't know. I, I would be terrified. I hate snow and I hate water and I hate river crossings. <laughs> well, and these river crossings right now are insane. Oh, they're super dangerous, especially yeah. for that's like five foot four. Like I am. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was literally just talking to somebody who's who just got through the Sierras like last week, and he was saying that some of the rivers were like up to his chest, and he's like six foot four. I'm just like, oh my god, how how's a normal sized woman gonna get across those things? Just cross with people was the only thing I think yeah. you can do is just cross with people, and you know, don't cross where the trail crosses, like. Go upstream, go downstream, find places where it's not as deep. Did you have to do any of that on your year? We had a couple of river crossings. I mean, I mean, we I mean, we had a few, but there was only maybe two that I was like a little bit scared. But they only went up to like past my well. There's one that went up almost to like my waist. But I don't know. I crossed like kind of in the middle of it where and had my trekking poles and I left my shoes on cause for the traction and I was fine. I mean, I probably should have crossed with someone around, but I was anxious. <laughs> oh, this was one of your solo, your solo moments. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. And I think that's what was frustrating about being alone in the Sierras. Like it's so pretty. And I was like by myself a lot. And then you're having to like go through river crossings and like go over snowy passes by yourself. And that, that gets, oh, wow. that gets old. I was like, okay, this sucks. Like, when I'm post holing and laying in, you know, the snow, I wish there was someone here to pull me out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how comfortable I would feel 
going through the Sierras by myself. Yeah, I mean, like last year would be the year to do it. Like it wasn't a dangerous year at all. And like if I if I could if I could do it, like I would do it again, honestly. Mm-hmm. If if it was a year like that, right? Not this year or 2017 for that matter. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> oh my god! What did what were you doing? You had a stove with you, so what were you doing for food? Uh, mostly like ramen. <laughs> the the standard diet. Yeah, and then I also like Alpine Air makes a dehydrated bean dip, and I do that with tortillas and cheese, and that's super good. What was your favorite meal? Ram- tortilla and cheese. No ramen. <laughs> Did you ever get sick of it? No. On it, like my last. So the day we finished, we had that thirty miles to go back to Hearts Pass, so we split it up into like fifteen and fifteen, and. I I was my last night was sitting there with my friend Blue and we are both eating ramen and we're like how the hell is ramen still good <laughs> and it's like the last night on trail <laughs> that is pretty crazy yeah it's so good I don't know what it is <laughs> so you could you would totally day one down at Campo or night one I should say down at Campo you got your ramen out again oh yeah I was just backpacking this weekend and I had like probably like four servings of it. Oh my God. Which I guess begs the question, how much ramen were you eating at a, at a go? You know, maybe at least once a day. But how many, serv- like you were saying four servings of, or four servings, maybe I guess over the course of however many days, but. Oh, like four packets, I guess. Okay. That's a serving, I think maybe. That's that's a serving for you. I, th- I think that's a serving, right? One packet. Yeah. Maybe it's two. I don't know. I mean, but like, okay, so packet, like one packet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What else? What else were you eating, or what? Like, what was breakfast for you? Or uh, Cliff Bar, and that's about it. <laughs> or maybe some pop tarts. <laughs> I'm not a. Bi- I'm not a very big eater. Like, it got to the point where I'd have to like, you know, we'd be in town. I'd be eating my burger or whatever, and then. People would be like, oh, Twerk, are you going to finish that? I'm like, I'm on my second bite. Like, leave me alone. But <laughs> I would never finish a meal. Like, I'm just, I'm a really small eater, even on trail. So I, I would, like, have a Cliff Bar in the morning, maybe a Snickers, and then for lunch I'd have tortillas and bean dip or, like, cheese, and then would have maybe one more snack and then ramen at night or some other kind of dinner. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm just I'm not a very big eater. Did you have any issues with like losing weight or anything like that? I mean, I lost 27 pounds, but oh, Jesus. I think I would have lost that anyway. Right. Because I mean, like I would make up the calories when I get into town because we'd just be drinking a bunch of beer <laughs> and I'd usually take like a day or two off in each town. <laughs> so you got sucked into the vortex. Oh, I am. If my trail name wasn't Twerk, it'd be Vortex because I literally would get everyone to stay in, in town and then they'd be leaving. They'd be like, we can't stay longer. I'm like, just one more day. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you're not going to finish. <laughs> I know I was seeing some of your, your story postings. You were talking about, uh, what was it? I guess you were guys, you were at a bar or something and you were saying, oh, we were going to leave tonight. And then you'd see like the next posting well, maybe a little later. And then the next one, well, maybe not. Oh, that was when we were in Packwood in Washington. We were doing karaoke. Yeah. There was this 
trail. There's this girl that she did about half the AT. Her name, her trail name was Rowdy. And she saw us and was, she was like, you're hikers. So she started buying us rounds of tall boys of PBR and shots. And <laughs> there was like eight or nine of us. And, oh, wow. and it was funny because when we were, we had just gotten done eating dinner and I was like, you guys, let's go to the bar and get and like one last beer. And they're like, no twerk. Like we're not, not, I was like one last beer, which is like, I was totally trying to get people drunk anyway. So she did it for us though. And we stayed, we closed the place down and sang karaoke all night. <laughs> But that seems like a beautiful trail memory. Oh, it's one of my favorite nights on trail. It was so much fun. What other like favorite nights or favorite moments did you have on trail? Um, well, my the people I hiked with through the end of the Sierra in Northern California, every time we left a town, we would pack out um, some sort of meal for dinner. We'd all like split it up. And so... Out of Tuolumne Meadows, we packed out charcuterie and wine, and we like found like a you know old law or like piece of wood and made like a charcuterie board and like had a photo shoot with that, and that was really fun. And then uh, out of Sonora Pass, out of Bridgeport, we had um, kebabs, and we our friend Pickle had some uh, edibles left over, and we got absolutely ripped off these edibles, all five of us. And then all these other hikers started showing up and we were like so high that we were like, kind of, you know, like embarrassed, but we didn't want to be weird. <laughs> so like, we're trying to like be normal, but we're like just so baked that we could <laughs> like figure out how to act. And we're just laughing at nothing. And that was, that was probably one of my favorite nights. It was just, it was just so funny. And um, I don't know. It felt, I think, that those people, you know, those four people I hiked with were probably my best friends from the trail because at that point I just want, I, uh, I had already met them all, but I had been alone through the Sierra. And so like meeting up with them was like, I feel like kind of saved my hike. So a lot it, hiking with them was probably some of the best memories from the trail. Was it a choice for you to hike solo through the Sierras? Uh, no. Um, I, I was in Bishop for three days and all my friends came in the last day I was there, my last zero. And they're like, stay, like, stay and hike out with us. And I was like, dude, I've been here for three days. I'm not waiting for you guys anymore. Like, I have to go. So I did hike out with Heaps and her crew, but they're all freaking fast. So I was like, okay, I'll hang out for like two or three days with you, but I know I'm not going to be able to keep up. So they, so like, yeah, after like two days or three days, they were just gone. So the last week, so the last like six days, I was by myself. And then I think it wasn't until, uh, yeah, it wasn't until Tuolumne is, or no, it's uh, Mammoth is when I started like seeing people again. You either caught up to people or people were catching up to you. Uh, it was more the people I caught up to them because they had gotten off trail for a few days and came, had to come back. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have never caught up. <laughs> what stopping points, what Nero locations would you recommend? Like places not to miss? Um, uh, I mean, I Casa de Luna. That's my favorite place on the entire trail. I think everyone does go there. Most most hikers go there, um, but I mean, I would take a zero. I took three zeros there. <laughs> I just love it so much. It's my favorite place along the entire trail. 
Um, so definitely stop there and hang out with Terry and Joe. They're like the nicest people ever. Um, yeah. I love- say uh, Twerk sent you. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they know, they know Twerk. <laughs> yeah, no, I love Casa de Luna. Um, I mean, Bishop's cool, but I think like if I do the trail again, like I probably would like take a zero in Mammoth cause I didn't because I had, I had just taken, you know, three in Bishop. So uh, Mount Shasta, probably one of the best towns along the entire trail. Um, I think it's like the official PCT trail town too. I think that just happened last year. Um, but yeah, Shasta is awesome. I grew up close to there. So maybe I'm a little bit biased, um, <laughs> but yeah, God, it's such a cool, it's such a cool little city and it's just sits right below Mount Shasta and it's, uh, it's gorgeous. And the people are really nice. And there's a couple like cute little breweries and stuff. You, you talking about this reminds me or, or makes me think of, so if you were, if you do the trail again next year or when you do the trail again next year, what would you do differently this time around? Um, I think I would spend less time worrying that I'm hiking slower than people or, you know, I would spend less time comparing myself to other hikers. And I think I did that most of my hike last year, but I, I also was unsure if I was going to make it. So now that I know I can do it, you know, if, you know, my body holds up the second time doing it, I think I would, yeah, I would just kind of focus on where, where I'm at and what I'm doing rather than what everyone else is doing. Cause I have hiked solo. So I know I'm capable of doing that. Um, so yeah, I think I just, I just spend less time comparing myself and just actually taking in every little aspect of it. What experiences would you like to make sure that you get or have that you didn't necessarily the first time around? Or the second time around? <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, I think I had a pretty incredible hike last year. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I feel like my hike was pretty damn well near perfect, minus, you know, just constantly comparing myself to others. But, you know, I, I had the whole, you know, photo project too. And yeah, I think my hike was pretty damn good last year. Speaking of the photo project, you had gone this year, you were going to go from right, Wrightwood to Campo, right? To kind of complete it. Yeah. Cause I didn't start it till Wrightwood. I only made it to Warner Springs, which is 109 miles. And then I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to be a trail angel. <laughs> <laughs> trail angel sounds like more fun at that moment. Yeah. You know, it just felt, it's like not as fun to do a section for me. Like, I mean, I obviously like backpacking, but it was like, Oh, I'm like, I don't get to do a full through hike this year. It felt like, I don't know, not as exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not as momentous. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, Oh, cool. I made it to Wrightwood. Like, no. So I was like, no, I'll just next. That's just, I'll go back and just do hiker trash Vogue for a full through hike next time. Hopefully next year, if I can. Yeah. It. How was the experience different from being the through hiker who receives the trail magic or the trail angel Versus being the trail angel giving. Uh, you know, I never really got that much trail magic last year. Um, I think there's only three instances. Um, it, um, and when I say that, I mean like people set up on the trail giving you mm-hmm. stuff. Obviously, like there's people that love to stay with them or, you know, give us rides. And those are trail angels as well. But yeah, people actually like set up on the trail when you're crossing a road. Um, that only happened, I think, three times for us. 
uh, doing it was so fun. It's, uh, it's really rewarding because you get to hang out with hikers, but you don't have to hike. So that's great. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, what you realize too, what I never realized about hikers because I, I was one is like how polite everyone is and how like grateful everyone is. And which like, I'm that way with people. Like I will, I will tell someone, thank you 10 times just to make sure I know I said thank you and they know I'm thankful. <laughs> and that's how like the hikers are just like so polite and sweet. And, uh, I had so many hikers like giving me hugs and like saying, thank you. This changed my day or I was having a really hard time in this section and this, you know, makes me want to keep going. So it was really cool to be on that end knowing like, cool. Even if I like, you know, made one person stay on the trail that wasn't going to, that's like, then it's worth it, you know? Right. You, you made a difference for them specifically in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Even if it's just like a beer or like a soda or like a bag Mm -hmm. of chips, it's awesome. Would you see yourself, because when you get back to Portland, obviously Timberline, Mount Hood is right there. Would you see yourself going up there and doing some Trail Angel stuff? Or Oh, I'll probably be up there like next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited to be close to the trail. Like, <clears throat> I didn't realize moving to Idaho, like, I I've, have I've felt very far removed from it. So it's been nice to, like, you know, have those last last three weeks I've just been doing trail magic along my travels. Um, I didn't realize how much I wanted to be living near the trail as well. So I'll, I'll be at trail days in a month, which I'm really excited about. And I'll definitely be posting up in Oregon and, uh, Washington throughout the season. And then I, there's a couple of hikers I've met through trail magic. I told them they can uh, come crash in my place for a couple nights and I'll cook for them if they need. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. Yeah, I like hosting people. I like tending to people and like cooking for them. That's perfect. As long as it's it's not ramen, right? No, no, I would that that'd be <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> With this book, you I believe you sold out the first edition, so to speak, of it, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are you doing a reprint or like what's, what's going on with that? I'm making a smaller version just cause the bigger one was so expensive to make and I actually lost money on it. <laughs> uh, oh no. Yeah. It, it's fine. Cause I really honestly just wanted people to have it. It wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to make all this money. You know, like it was more like, I just can't believe people even want like my work on their coffee table. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I, I'm making a smaller version that's more affordable for people. And I'm going to add some new stories and include photos that I've taken this year along the trail as well. When, when does that come out? Uh, I'm thinking September. I'm still designing. I'm still working on stories. So probably September is when it'll be ready to at least be printed or. Is the idea from that, from this, from that sort of with each hike that you do or, or each season, doing a new version or move on to something else in the same realm? I don't know. I haven't decided that yet. Um, I, you know, I don't know when this will fizzle out, especially, I don't know. I don't, I think right now people are like, you know, like I'm the hiker trash boat guy. Uh, <laughs> and I'm obviously never going to like stop being outside or like backpacking or camping with other people. So as long as I'm doing that, I want to continue to do photos like this, but, um, 
you know, I don't want to, I don't want to like continue doing something if it's, if it like dies out. I, I mean, I think, you know, if I look at the 20 years of my photography, there's definitely different seasons of my work. Um, so who knows, you know, maybe do this for another year or so, or I'll, I think anytime I through hike, I'll definitely do it, but I don't know. I'd like, I'd like to do other projects if I feel inspired by something, obviously, but, uh, you know, it's, I gotta be inspired to do it. I can't, you know, I can't just like push it. Yeah. I, I could totally see while the subject matter may change the, the perspective, the eye, which obviously is what makes it yours individually, um, shines through all of it. Could you see yourself then taking that into, like you're doing wedding phot- photography now, which the pictures that you're posting online at least kind of have a little, I would not necessarily, what are you calling it? Wedding trash vogue? <laughs> yeah, no, I, that's more as a joke. I yeah. definitely have seen a vast improvement in my wedding photography because people are now hiring me because they know my work from the trail. Mm-hmm. Therefore people are like, they want my style rather than just like, Oh, we just need a wedding photographer. So I have, yeah, I have my wedding photography has definitely been more editorial, um, which has been really fun. And I honestly thought I hated wedding photography, but now that I have, you know, have done, having done, Hiker Trash Vogue and people knowing my work and hiring me specifically for my my style. Um, it's cool to do weddings and be able to shoot how I want because now I feel like I can actually give people quality work. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. And they're coming to you for a style. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, I mean, definitely Hiker Trash Vogue has inspired, uh, has inspired my wedding photography now. I'm waiting for that moment where the two worlds collide where you have two through hikers who met on the trail and whatever, who want the wedding photos. <laughs> oh, I'm actually, I'm shooting a, a couple that hiked the AT that met on the AT next year. You're shooting them oh, for their wedding. Their wedding is next year. Next May. They hired me, Okay, but they met on the Appalachian trail a few years ago. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Actually. I guess circling back to what we had been talking about before when, when you were doing the, the Insta stories with the trail vocabulary and grind my gears and, and things like that. Was that a way of entertaining yourself or, or inter- entertaining the audience or like, where did that spring from? Uh, that completely for myself. <laughs> <laughs> anything, anything like stupid or funny. I like try to say it's always for my own entertainment and if people like it. Great. If they don't, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> But it's, uh, yeah, no, that was completely like, I remember my little brother after like, I don't know, I think it was the one I did going into Oregon or going into Washington, which was grind my gears. I think he was like, he was like, you are bored, (laughs) (laughs) but it's really purely for my own entertainment. And I was like, well, this seems kind of funny. So I'll just post it and see what happens. What was the response that you were getting from that? Oh, people thought it was hilarious. Like people thought it was super funny. I mean, at least everyone that responded was saying mm-hmm. that, that they thought it was funny. So that was good. <laughs> You're, have you ever done stand up comedy? No, no. 
You you say that as if it's a scary thing, and yet you were basically doing stand up comedy with these things. I, I mean, I think it's a lot easier to do it to a screen than it would to <laughs> a room full True. of people. I mean, I don't mind uh, public speaking. I love mm-hmm. public speaking, but I think if it, if I had to like go to something like specifically to be funny, I think that might be a little uh, that would be a little intimidating for me. Going, I guess, going away from from comedy and back to harder, difficult. I guess, what was your worst moment on trail or toughest moment on trail? Uh, I mean, I almost quit in Bend. I was just, I was alone and tired of walking through the smoke for hundreds of miles, and I was just. At that point, the the northern terminus was closed because of the fire, so I felt like I was walking towards nothing. And uh, it, and like the, it was funny, and my body was fine. Like physically, I was great. It was just everything was mental at that point, and I was just getting so tired. I was just like sick of not seeing anything, and you know, sick of like kind of being by myself. And so I went into Bend, got uh, got a hotel for two nights, and just. I was like, I'm just going to like stay in this hotel, eat and drink whatever I want and see how I feel. And then I finally called my mom. It's funny because I called my mom, I think the day, like two days after I'd gotten there, like after my second night, because I was like, shit, I think I'm going to quit. So I called her and she could just tell my voice. I was like, hey, mom. And she's like, you're not quitting. She like, she knew exactly. Um, Well, so it was funny too. my, My oldest brother hiked the PCT in 2011, which was a high snow year. And he actually went through the Sierra. Um, and so, I mean, like he called my mom all the time, um, you know, when morale was low. So I think she just having, you know, another son that has done it. Uh, she, she knew the tone and she said, yeah. she's like, you're not quitting. She's like, you're almost done. You're so far, you know, you want to be there. And um, it wasn't her that actually talked me into it. She actually ended up calling my brother, and the next day he happened to call me. It was So that was like what my second or third day in bed. He called me and was like, and you know, he's not like an emotional guy whatsoever. We're not sensitive with each other, but he, him just calling me, I knew that he was proud of me without, you know, actually saying it. And so that phone call uh, is what kind of changed the course of my hike. And when I got back on trail, then my next day or the, ne- the next day I went back, you know, hiked maybe like, 15 miles out the next morning I woke up and it was the first time I had seen rain and I was in sister's wilderness and it was beautiful. And like, I was pretty much alone all day and it was like one of my favorite days on trail. So it was funny that, you know, just two days before I was like about to quit. Then I was like, I can't believe I was going to quit. So it's funny how quickly things can change on the trail like that. Had you heard, had people tell you that, but it, but people telling you that doesn't feel real telling me that it can change so quickly that if you just go another mile, if you go, just go another day. Oh yeah. No, people say that all the time. And I, it's something that I don't think you can really understand until you do it because I mean, you could wake up and be having the worst day, hike 10 miles and then there's trail magic and you're like, Oh, this is why I do this. Or run into someone you haven't seen in hundreds of miles and be like, Oh cool. Now we're going to hike together or, I don't know. There's 
you find I, I think it the doing the trail like really forces you to look at small smaller joys um rather than you know bigger picture stuff what were what were some of the small joys that you were appreciating out there um one of my favorite things was just sitting next to a stream and like eating lunch by myself or like eating a meal i loved taking breaks by myself and just like looking at the view and kind of just getting lost in my own head and i don't know that, that's probably one of my favorite things um from the trail Sometimes just like, you know, watching like a little marmot, just like run around. It's like really cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Did you have any of them come up to you? No, I wish I would have like taken it and made it walk with me to Canada. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what am I trying to say? Sorry. The, the, the story of the marmot just totally lost. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I'm still picturing the marmot running around in front of you and, and you putting it on a leash and walking it up the trail. I, I wish. Yeah. And, and living out of a van would be tough though. I guess that's as close as simulating living on the trail as you can get. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is, it is a lot different. <laughs> How so? Uh, you always have to find places to park. And okay. like, I don't know, it, it's, I thought it was going to be easy to be like, oh, I'll just park in this neighborhood. But then, I don't know, it felt weird. Um, like just yeah. parking in a parking lot or parking in a neighborhood. Yeah. Or- and like, I don't know, like when I was on trail, I don't like sleeping next to roads. So I, I think like being in a van, like I like, I don't want to like sleep next to people like or like in where there's people around because it kind of freaks me out. But sometimes it's hard to find like, you know, like BLM land or like secluded places you can park. Mm-hmm. So and it just depends on where you are. But on the trail, you could literally, as long as you found a flat space, you could pretty much throw out your tent or, or cowboy camp or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Along the trail, you just, you know, find, you can find any place to sleep. How was that? Like finding camp spots? Well, finding camp spots, but also just, I guess, because of the way that the PCT is set up or like the AT, you kind of know where you're going to camp each night, you know, where you're going to go and, and sort of what the shelter situation is going to be like and so forth. But on the PCT that doesn't, that doesn't exist. So, you know, there, there are certainly places where people set up camps routinely, Yeah, but you don't have to. You don't don't have to. I mean, like there, there's plenty of times we, found spots that weren't like on our maps. So it was literally, did you guys ever go into days or did you go into days with a preconceived notion of where you wanted to stop? Yeah. I think most hikers do. I mean, like you, okay. you're always setting a goal every day. You're like, okay, today we'll do 27 to this spot because there's water or we'll do it to this spot. Cause it's big and there's a lot of us or, or it's only, you know, we'll get to this spot because it's only five miles from town. Did you do many Nero's? Or were they mostly kind of get into town and then zero it? Um, I think I did probably more zeros than I did Nero's. I, okay. Most towns I stopped in. <laughs> <laughs> most towns I yeah, at least stayed a night. <laughs> they they chained you. They chained you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like town. <laughs> I think I think if I do another hike, um, it'll be a lot different. 
How so? Uh, I recently went sober. Okay. And so I think, you know, obviously there's a big drinking culture along the trail. So mm-hmm. I, I really do want to go back now, especially having, you know, becoming recently sober to see how it changes, um, especially because my mind will be more clear and whatnot. Um, I think I'll probably want to spend less time in town, though, honestly, not have, like, not drinking. Right. You don't get caught in the bar type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. What was the biggest size of the group that you were tra- that you were traveling with, or that you would only five? Only five. I like I like smaller groups. Yeah. Honestly, when I see big groups of hikers, like I I'm just like turned off. Like I don't even want to deal with it. I just don't know how people can hike in big groups like that. And I, I think for me, it's kind of uh, I look at it as almost like high school, like cliques. Mm, when yeah. I see big groups of hikers. You know, I think maybe just also it's like a little intimidating. I wasn't, I got made fun of a lot in school and it seemed to be like by the bigger groups of kids. So I don't know, like obviously I'm an adult, I mean, I'm fucking 31, but (laughs) I I don't know. I just, I just see big groups of people like that on trail. It's just like, it's just a turnoff. I'd rather stay with small groups and like be friends, like close friends with every single person I'm hiking with rather than Mm -hmm. just like have like a big group and be like, oh, where's the group going today? Like, I don't know. I just find it obnoxious. Well, and I was talking to other people. They were talking about like uh, sometimes when you get into those larger groups, there's pressure to, you feel the pressure to stay with the group. So you do things that maybe you don't necessarily want to do, but you want to stay with the group. And so it's. Yeah, I can't, I can't do that. Like I'll, I'll do that for maybe like a week if I want to be with the people. But at the end of the day, I'm going to do what I want to do. Cause it's my journey and that's, and that's what I did the entire trail last year. Did you have that same mindset the first time you got out there? No, I wanted to be with people constantly. I wanted to be, I wanted to, you know, be part of the group. Um, but that changed my second time around cause I just wanted to be on the trail. So it didn't matter who I was with. It's interesting. I wonder if that was also some, maturity is probably the wrong word, but you know what I'm saying? In in terms of the first time around you were, you were avoiding being alone maybe. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think I was terrified to be by myself on the trail. Um, but then, you know, having failed and knowing I wanted to go back, I was just happy to be there. So it didn't matter who I was with. I just wanted to be with the trail, you know? So, and yeah, and I and I'm happy I stick to smaller groups because then you get to know people better and everyone I hiked with I'm still close friends with and I think they'll be forever friends. Yeah. What was the what was the s- strangest most bizarre conversation you had out there? Uh I, I mean probably I mean there's so many cuz it's <laughs> me. <laughs> it's probably me. I mean, I we would always I would always make like w- gross, like would you rather's for my friends. And, but I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like actual weird interactions with people. Uh, I don't know. I feel like most hikers are pretty cool. I mean, I, the only thing I can think of was in Sierra city, the, the, the guy that works at the, I don't 
he works at the general store. There's like a little kitchen in there. Mm-hmm. He, there was a, a couple I hiked with, an interracial couple, and um, the guy's black. And I remember the the chef or the cook at the general store in Sierra City kept saying, oh, it's so weird to see a black guy here. It's so weird to see a black guy. And that, like, rubbed me the wrong way. And I just remember saying to him, I was like, well, I'm gay. Is it weird to see a gay person? And it kind of just, because I was like, I had to shut him up. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was like probably like the weirdest interaction I had or like weirdest conversation I had. It wasn't like, I guess it wasn't much of a conversation. It was more of just like an exchange, but it was, it was, it rubbed me the wrong way and I don't like it. Yeah. How that conversation or interaction aside, how was the trail for you from a diversity perspective like do i think the trail is diverse or or you mean like being a gay person hiking i guess not even necessarily saying specifically because you're gay hiking the trail but but from the perspective of seeing the multitudes of people out there and the diversity that is within that uh not much okay (laughs) it's pretty white I mean, there's a lot of international people. Um, you know, there's people, I mean, a lot of Germans, a lot of Swedes, Australians, New Zealand, but those are all, I mean, they're all white. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think it's, uh, this is a hot topic right now. Um, yeah. I think also people, I think there is diversity beyond the color of your skin as well. Like, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't guess I'm half Mexican. My mom's, you know, Mexican. And, um, I mean, but because I look white, people wouldn't peg me as, you know, someone that adds diversity to the trail. Um, one of the guys that, you know, in my book, one of the guys that wrote a story photo op, um, he's from Bosnia. He looks, I mean, he's a tall, like handsome I mean, he's a white dude with like long hair, looks like Jesus, you know, but he like survived the Bosnian war. Um, his family, you know, they were refugees over here. And I don't, so I, I get, I get, I think I get kind of um, annoyed with people, you know, and like, yeah, I mean, I would like to see more color on the trail, obviously. And, you know, I want to see, I would love to see, I would like, if you could take San Francisco and put it on the trail, that'd be awesome. You know, like, <laughs> Just yeah. people from all over. Um, but I think it's, uh, I think it can be degrading to like say someone's not adding diversity because the color of their skin. Um, so I don't, I think, I think it's a, it's a weird, it's a, it's a kind of a sensitive topic. And, you know, I think they, I think apparently like LGBTQ plus, uh, I don't know. They added a lot of letters I can never remember, but, uh, I think that that's considered diversity as well. I don't feel like I fit in with that group, even though I am gay. Like I think, you know, the fact that I, you know, like have sex with other men is like the least interesting thing about me. So I wouldn't peg that as something that's diverse really. Um, Right. Because I also just don't, I think, you know, everyone kind of like forgot about the gays anyway with, you know, the way things are in our country right now. (laughs) 
it's yeah. totally gone back to race. So I think, you know, it would be nice to see more, um, more color on the trail, but I also don't, I also sometimes just don't think color really is dictating of what's diverse as well. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, th- I think diversity comes in more flavors than just color. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I also don't want to, that, and that's why it's, it's kind of like a hard thing to explain because I don't also want to, um, y- you know, discount anyone's experiences mm-hmm. um, or say, like, I'm not saying, yeah, it is what it is. I don't know. It's, 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 it's just a hard topic to explain. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I guess I'll just leave it at that because I'll, probably I'll like say something I'll piss someone off. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say, I guess, to somebody who for whatever reason is concerned about going onto the trail or, or fearful of going onto the trail? Um, uh, if it was, so I feel like the only, like if it was a gay person reaching out to me and asking, advice that would be advice i would give if someone was afraid to hike the trail because you know they're a like black or asian or you know a person of color i don't think that would be my place to give advice because mm-hmm. i am white appearing and um you know definitely have white privilege because of the color of my skin um so that would never i i would I don't think I would lend that advice because that's not my place. I would give, I would, you know, send them over to one of my friends, uh, one of my friends who I've hiked with, who is a person of color. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a gay person, I would say that it's wildly accepting. Um, the only thing I might include is that there could be a little bit of a favor over my hike last year because people knew who I was. Um, and I am aware of that. Uh, you know, most people recognize me. A lot of people recognize me on trail. So I think, you know, that maybe is why I never had any problems, but I, I really do believe that the trail is an accepting place and the people that aren't going to accept you for who you are are assholes and don't need to be out there. But, and most people aren't going to give a shit like who you sleep with or what you look like. It it doesn't, feels like so much to me that if you were to have problems, it would be problems with people on the trail. Yeah. It would probably be in like one of the small towns. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. But then again, a lot of those small towns know that hikers come through and a lot of those towns thrive because of hiker season. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know, but that's not to say it couldn't happen with people who are just happen to be in the town. Yeah. But it's it's interesting because I hear stories of, you know, whether you're talking small town or, or I guess, larger town, um, of the, uh, you know, versions of trail angels who, you know, who suddenly are, are giving of themselves for random strangers, you know, that are hikers. And, and it's one of those things that just sort of renews my faith in humanity, you know, irregardless of what differences anybody may have. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think with the popularity of the trail, every once in a while you do come across, uh, you can come across some sketchy trail angels though, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm obviously not going to like name names or like where they are because maybe I just had, you know, weird interactions with them, but I've definitely come across trail angels where I didn't feel um, like it was genuine. Mm -hmm. So um, I'll leave it at that. I think as a hiker and someone that if you can do something like that, you, your judgment becomes pretty good. (laughs) How did you learn to trust your judgment as you went along? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think I've always been someone that has trusted my gut. Um, I've also, I was also a bartender for 10 years. So I, I think I can smell bullshit pretty, pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. So if anything, it just heightened my sense of, uh, <laughs> of good judgment. <laughs> Did you have any issues with hitchhiking or anything like that? Um, I, I think there was one time I did have a, uh, uh, guy picked me up and I think he was pretty tanked. Um, mm. and then I stopped that. I, by saying, Oh shit, I was supposed to go the other way. Can you just drop me off here? I'll get a hitch. And he was pretty compliant. Um, but I made it seem, I I, I think I'm good at navigating, uh, drunk people so rather than, you know, <laughs> pointing fingers. I just said, Oh, I screwed up. I have to go the other way. Do, would you mind just dropping me off here? But I could right. tell within the first mile, he was pretty drunk and, Um, so I just got out of that situation. Did you ever have trouble getting hitches? (laughs) No, I think, I mean, luckily for me, I'm like five foot four and wear bright colors. So I look pretty harmless. Uh, and I, and I also carried, so I also carried a little, uh, like trimmer for my beard because I hate having a lot of facial hair. So I was always pretty, uh, pretty clean cut on trail. So I think I was able to get hitches pretty quick. Were you hearing any stories of some of the guys around you having more difficulty? Yeah, I think it, like the taller and maybe more masculine you are, uh, probably the harder time it is for you to get a hitch. I was also hearing from people that like having a woman with you is also helpful again, probably because it makes you feel, it makes you appear more safe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think anytime I was hitchhiking with one, you know, one of my girlfriends, we'd get hitches pretty quick. What was the longest time you had to wait for a hitch? Uh, coming out of Bridgeport, we waited for about an hour and a half and then we did have a truck pull up and the guy was going to let us get in the back. And I was like, Hey, I just want to let you know, there's a CHP officer right there. So I walked over to ask the CHP officer if it's okay. And he said, I already know what you're going to ask. And the answer is no. So it went probably all in all two and a half hours. Thank God you saw him. Yeah. 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 No, I, I was like, you should probably go ask him first. I would hate for you to get a ticket on the count us. But it seems fairly common. I mean, obviously CHPs are not generally like right there for the moment, but it seems fairly common for hikers to be in the back of trucks like that yeah i think like maybe like in the smaller towns it's not as big of a deal but this was like two freeways this is out of sonora pass like bridgeport where it's okay you know it's a pretty big freeway i think that's the 395 which is a huge freeway you know that goes on the eastern side of the sierra Mm -hmm. um so he like that he was posted up more like 
looking for people going fast on the 395. But uh, yeah, if we were, I'm sure if we were in a smaller town, he would have been like, whatever. Yeah, everybody knows each other. and Yeah, like, you know, if we were, like, getting a hit from trail, like, in Wrightwood, like, they wouldn't give a shit because it's, like, they know, like, there's just so many hikers in that tiny little town. How often were you coming off of trail? Like, were you on trail about every three to three to five days or? Yeah, it just depends on the stretch. Um, okay. I'd say probably, like, four is, like, an average, four, maybe about four days, four or five days. And there was only one time that you ran out of food, right? Um, well, not ran out, but like literally everything before I got into town. Like I, I usually would always have food left over, but there is one time where I like ate my last cliff bar the morning before I got into town. So, (laughs) but you knew you were getting in town that day. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a, yeah. Like I had, I had done the perfect resupply basically. It's (laughs) so perfect that I like, yeah. Time that one out. Great. Yeah. <laughs> what would you tell wannabe, you know, or new three through hikers to do in terms of like gear? What do they need to think about kind of in gear or in terms of like mental? Uh, I mean, the only advice I have for gear is just like, you know, test it out and use what works for you. Don't listen to what everyone else gets. Like what I use isn't going to work for everyone. Like I just have preferences because, you know, of how I like to hike and um, what I think looks good. Uh, But uh, yeah, I think like with like mentally, um, I don't know, just like listen to yourself and trust your own instincts and uh, don't, let other people tell you how to hike. And, uh, I mean, I hate saying hike your own hike because everyone says that and it's stupid. Yeah. I mean, it it is kind of true. So, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, just, I I think finding ways to make the hiking bearable is really important. Like for me, it was taking photos, taking days off in town. Sometimes I'd camp if I was alone on those stretches and I'd find, even if I was going to go two more miles and I saw someone, I'd just be like, Hey, can I camp with you? You know, sometimes you'll have a good conversation. I'll make the next day better. Um, you know, you might make a new friend. So I don't know. Just I think it's all about finding ways to make it uh, make it bearable, which it's not always going to be unbearable, obviously. Like, mm-hmm. it's amazing. But, yeah, I think it's being creative with how to pass the time when it does feel monotonous. How much of the trail were you uncomfortable or in some physical pain or whatever? Mostly just Washington. I mean... Well, that's not bad then. Sierras were hard. Like, I was sore and tired, but, like, it wasn't so unbearable that I knew I was going to quit. Like, I knew it, Like I knew I was going to make it through. Like, I knew I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Washington was the only time I was like, oh, I might be cutting it close here. Um, but, I don't know. Like, after hiking that long, you just you find ways to, to make it, to push through. Is there anything that you feel like we haven't talked about that we should? I don't know. We kind of covered a lot of bases. <laughs> <laughs> we rambled. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about your the book, The Hiker Trash Vogue, and, and that the next kind of print of it comes out in September. Mm-hmm. Where can they find that? Where can they find you? Uh, yeah, so my Instagram is uh, twerk in the dirt. 
twerk with a K. <laughs> um, and then my website is tommycorey.com. So T-O-M-M-Y-C-O-R-E-Y. And that's where you can, you know, purchase the book and see all my work and and book you for the wedding. Yeah. And book me for your next wedding. <laughs> when do you start taking pre-orders or whatever for the, for the September? Uh, I already, I'm doing pre-orders right now. Okay. So, so get your, get your booking or get your fingers moving fast. Yeah. Because right now they're only 60. And then I, I, after I do the first hundred, then I, then I bump it up. I kind of have that incentive. Absolutely. Take care and, and have a great evening. Yeah, you too. Talk soon. notes and links for Tommy's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Tommy for sharing his stories from the trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. If you have through hiking adventures to share, we'd love to hear them. Please email me at hikingthroughpodcast at gmail.com or you can also DM me on Instagram at hikingthroughpodcast. We would also love it if you would find us on your favorite podcast provider and leave a review. I'll see you on the trail.